Seabourn Small Ship Luxury Cruising. This is the Tips of Travellers podcast hosted by Gary Bembridge. It's a podcast of inspiration, advice and tips about finding and having a luxurious travel experience on both land and sea. The podcast draws on over 20 years of experience of travelling every month of every year to luxury destinations on all continents and on the oceans of the world. For more, visit tipsfortravellers.com, where travellers is spelt with two L's the UK way. Hi and welcome to this edition of Tips for Travellers. When we're going back to sea, and this time we're taking a look at the luxury cruise line Seabourne and small ship luxury cruising. I'm going to be sharing with you some observations, some thoughts, some advice, some tips about Seabourne cruises and specifically about their ship, the Seabourne Sojourn. And it's actually based on a visit I made to the ship and some interviews I did when it was docked at the London Cruise Terminal in Tilbury. Now you can watch a relatively long video tour of the ship that I made, which takes you through all the various public areas. It takes you to the restaurants. It takes you to quite a few of the different suites on board, um, the swimming pools, all that kind of stuff. And you can see that on the website. So if you go to tipsfortravels.com slash seaborn, you can find it there. Or you can look on YouTube. So that's youtube.com slash tipsfortravelers and look for Seabourn. So let me tell you about Seabourn. Seabourn is a small ship cruise line. It's part of the huge Carnival cruise organization. And it's a brand in their portfolio that offers passengers a more intimate and a more luxurious cruise alternative. So that's an alternative to the large ships that are used by most of Carnival's other cruise brands. Brands like Carnival themselves, Cunard, P&O, Princess, and Costa. Now, the Seabourn line calls itself the world's best small ship cruise line. And I want to explore a little bit about whether that is true. Now, they, they seem to have some justification for that very bold claim because they list lots of awards that they've won both in passenger choice and in industry awards, including a couple of the premium Condé Nast magazine awards. And everybody I met at Seabourn, they spoke about offering six-star service and they kept talking about because it's a small ship experience they can provide incredibly intense incredibly personalized incredibly special experiences and service and everyone on on Seabourn kept stressing that and you'll hear in the two interviews that I have for you at the end of this podcast where they talk much more about that in, in in detail and what it really means but personalized and high service is what Seabourn says makes them different to other lines. Now, they have about 420 passengers, so that's about 210 couples, and 330 crew on board. So this clearly makes it much more possible because the crew can get to know all the passengers really well. There's not very many of them, and they can provide a very personal service. The smaller ship, suit, so, the smaller ship size also means that they can visit destinations that you know much larger cruise ships can't get into and visit. So, for example, they're able to, to travel right up the Thames into central London. They've been right up through Tower Bridge and right into central London. They can tour around small Greek islands, visit towns on the islands that usually are only accessible to yachts, for example. Now, clearly, they have uh, much higher fares than bigger lines for similar routes. So let's have a look at the sort of things that I think you need to think about when comparing fares on seaborne versus other cruise lines because if you look at you know like for like itineraries they will be more expensive so although the price at first glance of a seaborne cruise does look higher than bigger cruise lines 
There's a couple of things that I think you need to look at if you are comparing fares, you know, before perhaps saying, well, actually, this line's too costly. Like I always say, cruise lines are always aggressively discounting fares at the moment, and they then work to make up revenue through onboard extras and spending. Now, this is not strictly the same on Seabourn because it's much more all-inclusive. So, for example, the following things are included in the fare. All suite cabins. So there's only one grade on the ship that doesn't have a balcony. So when you're looking at fares, you know, you need to remember that these are suites that you're really comparing with. So make sure you're comparing, you know, like for like cabin. Even the smaller suites are quite big. They looked and were about 450 square feet. So you're getting pretty large cabins and there are no inside cabins. They're all uh, external cabins, so balconies or windows. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that all your drinks are included, even the spirits, the wines, the champagne. So even if you're a, a total wine geek, um, they do have some very, very you know, unusual and, and very posh wines that you can seek out and pay for extra on board. But they use branded and premium names for all the drinks included in your fare. So unless you really, really are a bit of a wine snob or a wine expert, you know, you, 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 all, your wine, all your drinks are included. Now, every room... Their minibar is stocked with your choice of drinks before you board, and it's refreshed throughout the cruise, again, into, you know, included in your fare. Now, what they say is gratuities are not expected or required. And they kept stressing this. They kept talking about how you shouldn't feel that you need to add in tips into your budget. Now, as we know, most other lines, it's either added to your bill um, or, or, you know, it's either physically added to your bill or you're kind of expected to tip on top. So you kind of don't have to take that into your budget. Now, there's no surcharge to eat in any of the restaurants. So all of the restaurants, including restaurant two, which is a taster menu, it has a seven course taster menu. You don't have to, any surcharges to eat in any of the speciality restaurants. There's a 24 hour room service. There's three other places to eat. Now dining in your room, I think on Seaborn is going to be popular. And I noticed that all of the suites, even the regular suites had dining room set up. So, so I think a lot of people like to eat in their in their in their suites. Um, and again, maybe because it's small and intimate, people like to do that. You have no set dining times, no set seating. It's free seating for all meals, which means you can eat whenever and wherever you want. Um, caviar is free and available to everybody, um, which is a big a big plus. Also, what they did talk about is you can have off-menu dining, which is open to everyone. You know, for example, on Cunard, you, in, if you're in Queen's Grill, you can have some off-menu uh, dining. But here, you, everyone can have it. You have to give some notice, depending on what you want. You might have to give up to 24-hour notice. But um, that's, that's a big plus that you need to think about. In terms of activities, shore excursions are charged for, but there are some free activities like, you know, at the back of the ship, they have like a marina which folds out and has some water sports. So when you're docked in suitable regions, there are free water sports. And they do include occasionally, depending on the itinerary, some off-ship island meals, some special events like music events uh, and that kind of thing. Now, I've always really traveled on large ships. So one of the things that I was wondering was, would a small ship mean small choice? And one of the things that surprised me about the seaborne sojourn was that even though it was a much smaller ship than I'm used to cruising to, there still seemed to be a lot of choice. And the Seaborne team talk about this a lot. And they kept saying, you know, small ship does not mean small choice. So a couple of examples. There was four restaurants to choose from. The main dining room, which is called the restaurant. The colonnade, which is the more casual and self-service. The patio grill, which is obviously outside. And restaurant two, which I mentioned earlier, which is the taster menu one. They have a spa, which actually was pretty large. It has treatments, it has a hair salon, it has a fitness center. There was two swimming pools, a main swimming pool and one like an infinity pool at the back. Um, 
and there was decks for quiet sunbathing. There's like a, a putting crazy golf um, spot. So it was kind of places you could sort of hang around. There was a very small casino. It had blackjack, roulette, poker, slots. There was shopping. There were six bars and lounges, including the Seabourn Square. And you'll hear in one of the interviews that being spoken about a bit more. And this is a, an area, it's like a hub, if you like. There's a library there, there's a computer center, there's the concierge, the tour office, there's a coffee shop. And it's kind of like a little hub in the ship. It's a very nice area, very nicely done. And where people kind of can gather and hang out. There's an observation bar up on deck 10, very nice. And then there's the club where they play live music at night. In terms of entertainment, there was a very large grand salon, which hosts shows by the four onboard singers. They do small production shows. And actually, I noted it was produced by the same company that does the Cunard shows, but obviously on a much smaller scale. They also have guest artists they bring on board. Um, they have a dance couple that perform and teach people ballroom dancing. And they have various guest speakers coming on talking about destination, current affairs, and kind of other educational topics. And I've already mentioned the back of the ship marina and the water sports. So there's actually quite a lot of choice, even though theoretically it's it's a small ship with only you know 400 on passengers on. So one of my tips for travellers uh, about the type of passengers who should think about Seabourn. Seabourn would say they have a very high repeat rate and they feel it's based on appealing to people who are looking for a very personalised service, which you clearly can't get on large cruise lines. And everybody I met had stories about, you know, how individual quirks and needs of different passengers are met on a regular basis. So whether it's a certain type of stuffed olive or whether it's searching Vietnam for Guinness because they'd run out or you know, helping look after a care dog that, that one of the uh, passengers is allowed to bring on board to manage her illness, for example. So Seabourn are saying that they're looking for travellers and they believe travellers who will like them are those who enjoy staying in boutique and prestige five-star hotels because they offer the kind of service that those hotels do, a very kind of personal service. The second thing is the age profile. It's slightly older. It's over 45. Um, it tends to be more couple um, it, it's very much more couple orientated. They don't have a, a, a kids club. Although in the middle of summer, they, you know, they, they do bring some extra resources on board to help entertain children. But I think there are cruise lines much better suited to children. And I suspect the passengers would prefer it to be much less you know, full of kids. Um, that, that was much more the ambience that I think uh, the passengers like. So I don't think it's a place to bring your kids. Thirdly, the feel, the design and the nature of Seabourn being smaller and more intimate, it does make it a much more sedate, a much more calm experience. And I don't think party-going types looking to party all night would find Seabourn the right line for them because it just wouldn't be happening, it wouldn't be going on. Fourthly, linked to that, I think that due to the very intimate nature of the line and its size, it's great for kind of honeymoon couples or couples looking to have kind of a special kind of pampered holiday for a celebration. I think it would be good. Also, though, they did talk about it is a good line for solo travellers and they do welcome solo travellers, partly because of the size. It means that it's easier to get to know and meet and engage with people. They they do welcome solo travellers. So, for example, senior crew will host tables every night in the main dining room to ensure that solo travellers will have definitely someone they can sit and eat with so they don't have to eat by themselves. The line is, is very popular with American passengers, no matter where in the world it is. And you're likely to find that it's mostly going to be more American passengers. Though, of course, when the ships are on Europe in summer, they're going to be more, you know, UK um, and other European travellers. Quite a lot of Asian cruises, actually, I noticed when I was on board. But it's, you know, it's an English language speaking ship primarily. So it's kind of American, UK, English um, language. You know, it's, it's clearly about a much more refined, calm service. And it does strike me, it's the sort of 
line where if people want to be acknowledged, they want to be recognized, they want to engage with passengers, they want to get to know the crew, they want to interact. You know, I was very impressed by this kind of experience of, of um, you know, Seabourne and the Sojourn. It was, it was a beautiful ship. It was very stylishly done. I, I realized that, you know, you, you don't have to compromise. You do get choice. I mean, it's, the venues are smaller, but you have some options. You know, the fact that they can get into smaller and more interesting ports with, with less passengers is, is very interesting. But clearly a big influence and big focus on service. So I'm going to play for you two interviews that I did winners on board. One is with Chad Briggs. He's the destination service manager, and he's going to talk about uh, Seabourn and uh, why he feels service is so important. And then I'm going to talk to Paul Beswitherick, who is the food and beverage manager. And he, again, is going to talk about some very similar themes. But first of all, let's take a listen to what Chad Briggs, the destination service manager, had to say about Seabourn. The first thing I'd like to ask you is, from your perspective, what, what do you think makes Seabourn different to other cruise lines that people can choose from? What makes it special and different? Well, obviously there are other ships out there and other lines that are five-star or six-star cruise lines, but the way Seabourn treats their guests, they treat them as family, uh, really. I mean, the, the amount of times you see people coming on the ship who literally run down the gangway when they see one of their favorite crew members and, you know, plant a big kiss or a hug on them, it's, it's, it's quite endearing to see that the, they actually do consider themselves part of the family, um, which is also one of the wonderful things about working on the ship is the, the people that work here. I mean, you can see when you're working on ships, people who are just going through the motions, people who are doing the job because they're there to do a job. The staff and crew on Seabourn genuinely enjoy doing what they're doing, otherwise they don't last very long. And so the people who do stick it out here and who do last a long while are the people who actually enjoy doing what they're doing, and they enjoy giving the same service to our guests. And that's one of the most enjoyable parts of being on a ship like this, is the, just the way that the, these people will treat someone as if, they, as if they're a friend. Uh, mm-hmm. not just as a client. Right. Um, so it's uh, that's one of the things that I really do enjoy about it. Okay, great. So, so when, when people come on board Seabourn, what, what's the kind of the biggest misconception they have? What's the biggest surprise they have? I guess service is one well, of the things you spoke sur- about. Service is definitely, I mean, you, I've, I, as I mentioned, I worked on private yachts, and I've worked on a yacht where we had 13 staff for uh, six guests, and the level of service still doesn't come anywhere near to what you have on Seabourn. The, the, the intuition of, uh, of the, just how our people seem to know what you want and sort of anticipate before you even ask for it. It's, uh, it's one thing that gets commented on a lot by our guests, uh, that as soon as you, I mean, you've been on board for three days and suddenly everybody seems to know your name. And they'll be greeting you by name, or by greeting you by, uh, you know, saying uh, first name, last name. If you uh, have a particular title that you use, that uh, that's what you like to be called. That gets passed on down through the ranks, and everybody does know uh, very quickly. And uh, but one of the biggest misconceptions about um, these, about the ships, and about Seabourn in general. Um, I think is that it's a stuffy line and that it's going to be, you know, being an all-inclusive, some people don't really understand what all-inclusive is. What it means, it's all-inclusive. You come on board, you'd like to have room service at 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, champagne with canapes, done. It's there. You want to uh, have a private uh, meeting with the, the captain later on, 
Yeah, I mean, he's, he's amenable to that type of thing. When it comes to the bars, obviously everything in the bar is included. No tipping is expected or required. And uh, people who have cruised before on other lines, they, they don't really get that. And, they, and so they come on board still expecting to have to pay out something else or have to do, pay that extra amount for the level of service they're getting. And yet that's all included in the, in the cruise fare when it comes to Seaborne. Right. So um, in terms of uh, the Seaborne sojourn, uh, what's your favorite aspect of the ship? What do you like the, most about it? Uh, the most popular area and thing that I like the most is actually probably the Seaborne Square. Uh, the Seaborne Square is a new concept that uh, Mickey Harrison came up with uh, when the uh, Odyssey-class ships, which the Sojourn is one of, uh, she's the second of the three sisters who were built on the Odyssey platform. This is a new concept in that it's a, a one-stop shop, an area where you can go to get everything done, from your tours to your private arrangements to questions about lunch and dinner, uh, your account details, anything and everything. But everything can happen in Seaborne Square. Best coffee on the ship is there as well. The library has a wonderful reading area. You have the business center. So it's, it's kind of the, the heart of the ship. It's where everybody goes. Mm -hmm. So of all the places that you've traveled with, with Seaborne, what, what's your favorite uh, itinerary in your favorite port? <laughs> One of my favorite itineraries is definitely going to be um, the Dalmatian coast, uh, along Croatia and through, through and about that area. That's definitely my favorite. I just love the islands, the people, the food, the wine. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's just a great um, combination of everything. Mm -hmm. And your favorite port you've ever been to? Oh, God. Um, for sheer beauty, probably Stockholm. Cruising into Stockholm is absolutely gorgeous. It reminds me of home uh, from Canada, right. Thousand Islands area. Right. Just uh, the the small little islands, but little houses and green green fields everywhere, and just again the people that are there, so friendly, and everything is just accessible. And that whole idea of going between the canals and down into the different uh, areas of Stockholm and where you can travel by foot or by water. So Ted, one last question. So if people are kind of unsure or trying to make up their mind about traveling on Seaborne, what would you say to them to, to help them make up their mind finally? Honestly, give us a chance to, to impress you because I guarantee when you come on board, you're going to be impressed. It's one of those things that, I mean, once you've been here, you know why people come back and people do continuously come back. We have a great loyalty program that's uh, been rolled out recently and that uh, encourages our guests who are uh, our loyal guests to keep coming back. And it, it even addresses those small areas that every ship does, or every line does certain things better than others. Or, they, you know, you'll say, oh, the food on this ship is better than this, or the, uh, the service staff are better on these lines, and so on. But I think we've actually come to the point where we've reached the pinnacle um, of being able to do do everything for <laughs> our guests and uh, and when we are here and we when we have the opportunity to do that we shine we really do so that was the thoughts from Chad now let's take a look listen to Paul Bezlerek who is the food and beverage manager first thing I want to ask you is from your perspective what do you see as being kind of unique and different and kind of special about about Seaborn? What makes it special? I think the main thing is the crew. Mm -hmm. um, the crew that we have on board are outstanding. Um, they're willing to go the extra mile to make sure the guests have an exceptional vacation. Um, nothing is too much for mm -hmm. the crew. 
mm-hmm. um, and obviously everything is included. Mm-hmm. You know, you pay for your cruise once you come on board. You're here. You know, food, drink, everything is included. So I think that's a nice part that guests enjoy. Right. You know, knowing that they're not going to get that large bill at the end of the cruise right. for their drinks, any additional food, things like that. It's all inclusive. So they know once they've paid for it, they can indulge it as much as they want. Right. Right. You know? And obviously having seaborne events such as caviar on the surf, mm-hmm. those are highlights for our guests. Right. Um, and I think those things definitely are different from other cruise lines. Those kind of events definitely establish us from other other cruise lines. Right, right. And so I guess you look after all of that, all the all the restaurants, all the drink, yes. all the right. yeah, all the restaurants, bars, and galleys on board. Right, right. I look after. Right. So, Paul, in your experience working with the Seaborn, what's the biggest misconception that kind of passengers coming on board have, and then they, when they're on Seaborn, they realise it's different to what they expected it to be? Um, I think a lot of guests don't realise that we're all incorporated. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of common questions are: Do you have to pay for the caviar on board? Right, which it's included. Right. You know, so there's lots of additionals that we add on, which guests aren't necessarily aware that we offer. And sometimes, unfortunately, they only realise towards the end of the cruise. Right. You know, which they come back for a second time. They're fully aware of what we offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I definitely recommend reading up before you actually come to a cruise liner. Right. Because um, Seaborn offers a lot more than other cruise liners. And we like guests to experience those additional experiences that we offer. Right. For instance, 24-hour notice. If a guest comes to us with 24-hour notice um, of an item that they would like or enjoy, um, it's something that we can offer if we have it on board, or we can try buying it locally ashore. And within 24 hours, the guests can enjoy their favorite meal from any top-class restaurant that they've tried before. Right. Amazing. Okay. That's definitely. So, so Paul, in terms of your own personal preference, what's your favorite thing about the Sojourn? What's what's the thing you like the most about the ship? Um, I wouldn't necessarily just say the Sojourn, Mm -hmm. because I've been on the Odyssey, the Quest, and the Sojourn, which are three sister ships, Mm -hmm. pretty much identical. Um, I think the nicest thing is, no matter what ship I go to, I feel at home. Right. You know, I know people on every single vessel because we move around. We, we don't just stay on one vessel. So no matter what vessel you go to, you're going to know crew. Mm-hmm. And the same with guests. You know, just this cruise, I met some guests that I'd met on the smaller vessels over two years ago. You know, so you're always going to have those familiar faces that make you feel at home. Great. So what's your, this is the hard question, so of all the many itineraries you've been on, what, what's your favourite itinerary and your favourite port that you've ever been to? Um, it all depends what you're looking for. You know, Norway is stunning, mm-hmm. um, purely for the scenery. Um, but then the Caribbean's also beautiful, if you like beaches and that kind of itinerary. Um, but highlights would probably be New Zealand. Mm-hmm. New Zealand, yeah. Um, we did a, a trip around Australia and New Zealand last year, on, or a year and a half ago on the Odyssey. And first time in New Zealand, and it surprised me. Right. You know, the difference between the south and the north. Right. You know, the weather, the scenery. So that was my 
highlights. Right. And do you get to see much when you're, because presumably you're, when you're in port, do you get to see much uh, of the places you go to? Um, it's your choice. Mm-hmm. You know, as a crew member, you do get time off. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you choose to go ashore, go to the gym, or sleep, it's, right. it's totally up to you. It all depends on how much you want to see. Right. Um, right. If this is a job or a career that you've chosen um, to see the world, it's definitely a good start. A good right. start. You get to see pieces of the world that you'd like to return in future. Right. You don't necessarily gain all the culture of that specific port, but you definitely get a, a pinch. I'd like to go back there. Right. Yeah. And for one, one, one last question. If, if people are sort of uncertain about or dithering about come, traveling on seaborne, what would you say to them uh, to convince them? It's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think our marketing speaks for itself. Um, and the marketing, you actually realize once you come on board, what we advertise is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and my main piece of advice is ask mm-hmm. you know ask the crew speak to the crew they're willing to give you information about everything um, and that's going to make your vacation mm-hmm. um, the worst thing is to hate everything on board and not speak about it right All right. if you think something strange on board speak to us and we'll give you reasons why it's done like that, or we will give you recommendations on how we can improve. Um, but we do try 100% with all of our guests. So that was my thoughts and tips for travelers about Seaborne Sojourn. Remember, for more, you can visit the blog, tipsfortravelers.com. And uh, next time you're on iTunes, it'd be great if you do find the time to uh, leave a comment and uh, a rating. It does help enormously. And uh, until next time, here's to great travels.